Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The first episode of season two of The Mandalorian dropped this Friday, and boy, is it a doozy in all the right ways. With series creator Jon Favreau back behind the director's chair and also handling writing duties, Mando, played by Pedro Pascal, and The Child, literally the cutest, are back with a bang in this mostly satisfying series opener. Season 2 picks up where Season 1 left off, with Mando searching the galaxy to find his lovely green son's homeworld and people. In order to do this, Din Djarin seeks out the help of other Mandalorians, which brings him back to Tatooine. It sees the return of a familiar face in Peli Motto, as well as the debut of several new ones. The end result is the same old Mando we all know and love, only this time with a few added wrinkles that will get Star Wars diehards very, very excited indeed. There will be full and major spoilers ahead in this review for The Mandalorian Chapter 9, so if you haven't seen the new season opener, it's probably a good idea to leave right now. But if you're planning on staying, whatever, I'm Ewan, this is What Culture, and here are five ups and two downs from The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. First, the ups. Number five, the production quality is still phenomenal. This shouldn't really come as a surprise anymore, given the amount of money behind Disney and their efforts to make Disney Plus an invaluable component of all their big franchises and trying to convince audiences that they're completely essential and stuff, but it must be said that The Mandalorian still looks really, really good. This shouldn't really come as a surprise anymore, given the sheer amount of money behind Disney and the efforts they're going to to convince audiences that Disney Plus is an essential part of their big multimedia empire, but boy, does The Mandalorian look gorgeous. Both Pedro Pascal and the show itself. And I mean that in several ways. The cinematography is gorgeous as usual, with the episode featuring lots of really gorgeous shots of Tatooine, and the costume and makeup design is also on point too. The Mandalorian has carved out a reputation for blending the best of both worlds when it comes to visual effects, utilizing both practical makeup and sets, but also using CGI when necessary, and given the giant crate dragon that is in this episode, I would say that is definitely necessary, and oh my god, it looks really good. It imbues the show with a suitably cinematic feeling, and affords it the freedom to make even the most small scale of adventures feel incredibly grand. Number four, Cobb Vanth makes his live action debut. Okay, so for Expanded Universe fans, this was ridiculously brilliant. 
As Mando reaches the settlement of Mos Palgo, he is confronted by Cobb Vanth, played by Timothy Oliphant, aka the Sheriff of Freetown. Not Timothy Oliphant, that he he's an actor, but Cobb Vanth, he's the sheriff. Vanth had previously made his debut in the Aftermath series of novels, where it was revealed that he'd actually procured some Mandalorian armor to protect the town of Mos Pelgo, so it's pretty cool to see him in live action. Fans had always assumed that the armor in question was Boba Fett's, but to get confirmation here, well, it's really cool. Oliphant, himself no stranger to westerns, having previously played Seth Bullock in HBO's critically acclaimed Deadwood series, plays Vanth superbly. He's a classic western archetype, and yes, the first episode really leans into the western comparisons with particular gusto this time around, and you can just tell he's having a blast on screen. A highlight for those already familiar with the character, I'm sure. The episode reveals how Vanth found Boba's armor scavenged by Jawas and used said armor to basically liberate his town from a terrible mining company that had taken control after the Empire's collapse in Return of the Jedi. Din Djarin isn't too pleased that Vanth is wearing the Mandalorian armor, which is kind of ironic given that Boba wasn't a true Mandalorian either, but whatever, and demands to see it returned. Vanth is happy to oblige Mando's request, just so long as he helps him out with this giant crate dragon problem that he's been having. And if you're confused about what a crate dragon is, well, if you'll cast your mind back to episode four, you might remember when C-3PO was basically scavenging the desert and there was that kind of giant skeleton thing. It's that. It is even more terrifying in the flesh. It spits acid and eats those cuddly banthers, and it's just, it, it's, it's really scary. It remains to be seen whether or not we'll see Vanth again in the series, but personally, I really hope we do. Number three, some really cool Easter eggs. The first season of The Mandalorian featured a lot of Easter eggs, but the one featured in chapter nine might just take the cake for being the series best. The opening shows off some Gamorrean guards fighting in a gladiatorial arena. You may recognize them from Return of the Jedi where they were actually Jabba's bodyguards. And then when Mando and the child arrive on Tatooine, we're greeted to none other than R5-D4. Yes, that lovable astromech that blew up in A New Hope and then that led to R2 being bought by Uncle Owen. Fun fact, the anthology book from a certain point of view actually reveals that R5 self-destructed intentionally. So he's a war hero. You're looking at a war hero. But as much as I love R5-D4 though, there is one easter egg in this episode that takes the cake and that is Cobb Vance Ride. Look at it. It is literally Anakin Skywalker's pod racer, or at least a part of it. That's so cool. The last we saw of that was in the Eve classic in The Phantom Menace, so the fact that it is here now is really cool and I really hope we see more pod racers going forward because pod racers, they're really cool. Especially Quadraneros. Ben Quadraneros. Look him up. His power couplings never work. Number two. It's the same Mando we all know and love. Again, probably a given anyway, but viewers will be happy to know that this Mandalorian is the same one we've come to love over the last year. Chapter 9 still possesses the same blend of Western-style action and original trilogy grittiness that made the first season so special, as well as some really good humor. Like, honestly, I think this might be the funniest episode in the series yet. There are some really good laughs that I definitely appreciate, especially the pit droids at the beginning. Who doesn't love a good pit droid? The Mando formula isn't without its hiccups, but this was still a really strong start for the series. 
Western fans in particular are bound to get a kick out of this episode, which really leans into the spaghetti Western vibes as soon as Mando touches down in Mos Pelgos. Like, it's literally framed like an old Western set. You have the, the run-down houses on either side, the big road in the middle, and then the abandoned canteen in the middle as well. So it's really cool. And obviously, Vanth himself kind of is the, is the cherry on top of the Western-themed cake that the episode kind of creates. It's also worth pointing out how cool the Tusken Raiders are in this episode. Traditionally, they've just been portrayed as mad savages, but here, they're actually kind of the heroes of the episode, and it's really refreshing to see them depicted in a more positive light, which I hope we see more of in the future. And number one, the return of Boba Fett. Now for the big doozy, the final frame of chapter nine, and the return of Boba Fett. While this moment had been spoiled by casting rumors months ago, seeing Tamura Morrison in the flesh as Boba will never get old. Morrison, of course, played Boba's father, Django, in 2002's Attack of the Clones, as well as all the other clones that featured in episode two and three. And he's even rumored to be playing Captain Rex at some point in the season two, so we get more Tamura and more clones, and that means more prequely stuff, and that's always good in my book. Fett makes his appearance in the closing moments of the season 2 opener, after Vanth gives Din Djarin his own Mandalorian armor. We still don't know why Boba got rid of his armor in the first place after escaping from the Sarlacc, or even if he wants it back, but chances are him and Mando are going to come face to face shortly anyway. You recall in season 1 that he definitely, almost certainly, probably killed Farrakh Shand, and yeah, this raises some interesting questions. One, is he more interested in Mando? Or two, more worryingly, is he after the child? I somewhat doubt he's after either of them, given he appears to have been living some kind of nomadic lifestyle on Tatooine. But still, as far as reveals go, they don't get much better than this, and any further reveals will take some topping. Unless, of course, Ahsoka and Sabine and Rex are all actually in this series too, in which case... I'm going to have to lie down for several hours after watching each episode because... Poor. And now for the downs. Number two. It's another one-and-done story. I'm not actually as down on the more episodic and self-contained episodes from The Mandalorian's first season, but to the same degree, I can definitely understand why they wouldn't appeal to certain viewers. The show was always at its strongest when it was pursuing the central narrative and the relationship between Din and the child, as well as the mystery about why the Imperials were after him. So to have that kind of be broken up between a Seven Samurai homage here and a high story there, I can definitely see why it vexed. Season 2's opener is placed firmly in the episodic category, and while it's clear it's only just getting started, it was a little bit disappointing to have that core mystery and narrative take a back seat for most of the episode. Again, not saying the episode was a letdown or anything, I think it was really good, but for those wanting a more serialized narrative, the season premiere might be a bit of a letdown. We already know that season two has plenty of surprises left in the store between the mystery of the child and how Moff Gideon got his hands on the Darksaber, so in my view, it's more than okay to bide its time this way, especially with an entertaining episode like this one. If nothing else, Chapter 9 serves as a great reintroduction to The Mandalorian, and it's already got me racking my brain as to what could come next. And number one, avoid watching on the Disney Plus TV app. 
Obviously, this isn't an issue to do with The Mandalorian specifically. It's just that, well, if you, like me, ended up watching it on the Disney Plus TV app this morning and you kind of thought it looked a little bit weird, well, there's a reason for that. Turning on the episode this morning, it was clear that somehow it was streaming with motion smoothing turned on. Now, for those who don't know, motion smoothing, or sports mode, or the soap opera effect, or whatever the hell else it's called these days, is a feature inbuilt into most modern HGTVs that are specifically designed to make every single film and TV show you watch look like complete and total ass. Okay, well maybe it's not as simple as that, like if you just want to watch some football or something, but for the most part, if you want to watch a film or TV show, this thing is going to ruin your day. It inserts new frames where there weren't any before, and the end result is that it can turn a $200 million movie, or in this case, an $120 million TV show, into something that looks really, really amateurish. Now, this setting is turned off on my TV, but somehow Disney Plus just seems to go, yeah, and then put it on anyway, and it's really annoying because I have to faff around and load Disney Plus up on my laptop and then hook it to the TV with a HDMI and watch it that way, so a bit annoying. Nothing to do with The Mandalorian, but Disney Plus, the TV app, is really bad. I still can't watch The Simpsons in the classic aspect ratio. It's so annoying. But ignoring The Simpsons and aspect ratios or whatever, I'm just really worried that a lot of people are going to be watching this show and watching it with motion smoothing turned on and not realizing why it looks so weird. So Disney, if you're listening to this, maybe, I don't know, I assume you're listening to everything, please fix it. It's really annoying. Motion smoothing sucks, folks. Don't let it ruin your favorite films and TV shows. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.